Welcome to episode two of the podcast. Glad you decided to join us today. Uh, our goal is to help you create quality experiences that help people engage with Jesus. Um, if you would, go ahead and share or leave a rating and review. That helps us out, um, and we appreciate it. I'm your host, Chris Esslinger, and I'm again joined by my friend, Ian Springer. Ian, how's it going today? Fantastic. How are you, Chris? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, so today, we are talking about... IT and production and kind of how those things work together. But before we get into uh, kind of the inner workings, we want to make sure that we're clear on kind of defining um, what those different things might be, because uh, there's a lot of different protocol types that use uh, RJ45 or Cat5, Cat6 uh, cable for um, transmissions. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, the... IT side of things or the actual um, computers talking back and forth or to the internet side. So, um, Ian, you want to kind of introduce that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so when you've got a computer that's sitting on a network, you you know, most of the time these days you're accessing something on the internet, whether that's like your Google Docs, your OneDrive, your email, something along those lines. That That's most of the time what you're using a computer for. Sometimes on on the tech side, we're using it to control different pieces of equipment, um, like turning projectors on and off or managing a DSP, something like that. Um, that's that's most of the time what what you're what you're going to be using a computer on the network for. Yeah. Cool. Um, so then the, the next one um, would be kind of audio networks. And I think uh, it's, it's important to differentiate that there are a lot of different audio over network protocols. Um, I think uh, Dante, AVB, uh, and AES are kind of the most popular ones, although Maddie also uses that uh, RJ45 connector. But even within that, um, we see different, uh, different communication points in the process. So uh, do you want to kind of address that one a little bit, Ian? Yeah. So this, you know, th there's a big difference between trying to get out to some kind of, of a website to check your email and trying to send audio over a network. One thing that's really, really important with audio is that whatever your signal is, get from the source, like like a, a, a stage box, or if you have some Dante-enabled uh, wireless microphones or something like that, to the destination, that being your, your sound system or your in-ears or whatever, as quickly as possible. Um, typically, this isn't something that we worry about too much on the IT side. If you're trying to get to your, your Gmail, you're not going to really notice a difference of if it takes a second or two seconds to load. But if I'm sending audio data and it's, you know, it takes like a whole second to get there, that's going to cause major problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you could even take it a step further. And, and as we get into the discussion of how production and IT work together, um, some of those protocols uh, will play nicely within a switch and other ones just from a technical standpoint um, won't even talk. Um, for example, you've got Dante, which is a uh, layer three product where it actually is using the IP address uh, and some of those kind of things to, to discuss versus where you have Maddie, where it's, it's a layer one thing. So it's not even getting in that deep. It's just, is it plugged in or not? 
Right. And so that's where switch configuration comes into play a lot. With Dante, there's a lot of best practices that are recommended for setting up your switching infrastructure um, in order to be compliant with what I what I was just talking about, about getting the audio data to where it needs to go as fast as possible. And there's a whole concept of multicast where you have one device that sends audio out and the switch distributes it, but only to the end devices that want to receive that audio stream. Um, AVB uses many of the of this, these similar kind of techniques, but they abstract it a little bit more than what Dante does, and they ha- have a program of certifying specific pieces of hardware for use with uh, with their protocol. So you can go out and buy an AVB certified switch and put it in AVB mode, and it's going to set up a lot of these things for you. Uh, most of the manufacturers that use Dante products have setup guides for how they recommend setting up the switches that, that they prefer you use with their products. Um, all of these things are not... Um, you have to have the right kind of hardware that is going to support configuring these protocols. Um, if you go out and you just buy like a 10 or $20 switch from Walmart and start plugging this stuff in, it might work, but it's probably not going to work as, as well as what it was designed for, and it's probably not going to let you scale out as large as you might want to in the future. And it, it could be one of those things, too, where it works until it doesn't. Right. Um, well, I, I did a project a while ago with an organization that they bought, they had like a Yamaha CL and a stage box and they really liked it. They had everything connected via Dante. And so they decided they were going to add uh, another CL and a couple more stage boxes in a different room in their building. And they decided they wanted to start recording multi-tracks with Dante virtual sound card. And then they added some more gear, and they got to a point where they had 10 or 15 devices all talking on the Dante network at the same time, and they started to have problems. It would cut out during their Sunday morning services and stuff like that. And so it turned out that um, they, they hadn't really set up their stuff um, they hadn't really set up their stuff with the best practices from the manufacturers to begin with. We went in and applied the right kind of configs to it, and it solved all their problems. And And I, I've seen this kind of stuff at many different organizations. And um, a lot of times, the production guys don't really know IT. They're like, well, a switch is just a passive device that I just kind of plug everything into, and everything that needs to happen on the inside magically just happens. Um, that's often not the case. Yeah, especially for those of us that come out of the analog world, it's it's easy to go, oh, I just plug this into this and it and it talks, right? And that's right. just not the case with, with digital networks. There's a lot of stuff that happens on the inside of these things that um, that uh, m- most of the time you, you aren't even going to see or need to worry about, but sometimes you do. And the good news is, you know, that allows so much more flexibility um, with so much less resources, but you still have it, to know know the stuff to be able to make it work. It does. Um, one thing that I think is is great about this that a lot of people don't talk about 
is it lets you converge your network infrastructure. So if you're in a relatively small or medium-sized organization, you don't have a lot of a production budget or an IT budget. This will let you use some of the same hardware for both your IT and your production. Um, that might not always be best if you have tons and tons of devices, but if you only have a couple, there's no reason to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on networking gear if you already have decent networking gear in place. And that way, both the IT and the production sides of your organization benefit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so cool. Some of the other things that we often see uh, being put over the network these days are both video uh, and lighting. So um, on the video side, you know, we've got uh, the HD based T products. Um, we've got just plain video over Cat5 with with a single conversion on either end. Uh, we've got the the newer NDI protocol. Uh, what are some of the differences that we're seeing between those those options? Well, so a lot of the video protocols are very proprietary, meaning they, they use a Cat5 or Cat6 cable, but they're not technically Ethernet. So it's not like you're not plugging them into a switch and it's sending it out across the rest of your network. NDI is, is an exception to this because it, it does let you send um, real-time video at relatively low latency over uh, your network. The, um, the standard was really popularized by NewTek because it, it, with their TriCaster switchers, which are computers anyway, it make, it's really easy for you to be able to get cameras and stuff in and out of the, uh, the switcher anyway. And there's some other manufacturers that are slowly beginning um, to jump on board with this. Uh, the challenge is that, you know, we were just talking about Dante. Dante... Um, needs to be low latency, but it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth, meaning the data that's there needs to get from point A to point B very fast, but there's not a lot of it that needs to be moved when compared to NDI. With NDI, there is a lot of data that needs to get from point A to point B, and it also needs to get there very fast. And so there's a lot, you have to make sure that your switching infrastructure can handle that, especially as you start adding multiple cameras with some of these uh, other protocols where it's just using a cat5 cable but there's no switch involved it's important that um, you have the right cable but you don't need to worry about whether or not there's enough bandwidth there because it, it's only the one device talking on the line yeah and, and i think you made an important distinction there that audio does not take a lot of data uh, but video absolutely does. There's just so much more information that has to be sent, especially for a high high definition image. Right, right. I mean, you could you could run uh, hundreds of audio channels over a single gigabit Ethernet connection, but you're you may only get a couple of of low latency HD video streams over that same gigabit connection. Yeah, so when we're talking about passing uh, high levels of data, there's also the uh, throughput of the switch to consider. And um, I know in the IT world, especially as we talk about um, data storage and and recall within a facility, um, it's worth looking at, at 10 gig switches and fiber and some of those things. Um, what are your thoughts on how those kind of apply uh, within those production networks? Well, a lot of times uh, you, people go out and they say, well, I'm going to add a 10 gig uplink to my switch because it's just going to make my network run faster. And that may be the case if you're really utilizing multi-gigabit uh, video streams through your facility. Most of the time it's not. I, I see a lot of facilities where 
all of their traffic is what we in the, in the IT world like to call north-south. So it's either going to or from the internet. They don't have servers or anything on site. They might only have a 50 or 100 meg internet connection in their building, but they're spending a whole bunch of money to pull 10 gig fiber between all of their switches. If all their traffic is hitting that 100 meg link going in and out of their facility, that's your limiting factor. You can't go any faster than that. So you can add all of the, the 10 or 40 gig fiber in the world you want, but that's not going to improve your, your internet speed. Yeah, that's, that's for what we call intranet, things moving around inside the building. Right. So if you have, um, if you have like a whole bunch of NDI cameras and you're trying to get those into a video switcher, then absolutely have some 10 gig uplinks. That way you're not going to be capping anything out. But if, if you're not doing something like that, don't spend the extra money. You're, there's no benefit to it. Yeah. Uh, cool. And lastly, we, we would have uh, lighting, lighting over network. Um, primarily, we see this in the case of uh, consoles like uh, Jans Vista or um, MA Lighting talking to, um, talking either directly to lights or to some kind of DMX uh, splitter over what's called ArtNet. Yeah. Well, and MA also has their own proprietary protocol called MANet. Some of the other manufacturers have their own proprietary f- protocols. MA actually makes their own switches that they want you to use um, with MANet. And, you know, the reality is lighting data is by far the least complex and least sensitive of the three that we've discussed. If you have switching infrastructure that's sufficient to handle audio and or video, then you're going to have what it takes to be able to deal with lighting. Um, The... With ArtNet, um, latency is important, but not nearly to the extent that audio is. And because you're just sending numeric values to these light fixtures, there's almost no uh, data that's consumed. I wouldn't go out and purchase any kind of specialized hardware if you're running a lighting network, Um, unless you have some kind of special use case where you need to send your lighting signals long distance, but I don't, that's not going to apply to most people. No, no, not really. Um, It's yeah. Lighting, lighting communication protocols and DMX and all that stuff was developed, uh, gosh, in the eighties, maybe even earlier. And so, um, it's not an overly data intense protocol. Um, so there's no need to overthink it. Um, cool. So, uh, what do we think about um, you know combining uh, our IT network and our production network, knowing that uh, some of these production things are so either demanding or just function differently than, uh, as you said, a computer reaching out to Gmail or, or anywhere else on the Internet? Right. So one thing to remember is um, if you're in a small organization – I, I get it that, that you probably don't have a lot in the way of budget and you probably have a lot of things that you'd rather spend the budget you do have on. You say the switches of, aren't fun to buy. Not really. I mean, <laughs> they, don't, they don't do pretty things or, you know, make your stage look better no. typically. I mean, I think they do. I think people should incorporate <laughs> switches into their stage design, but nobody's going to do that. Well, so when you're a nerd, that tends to happen. <laughs> 
anyway, so go go ahead and can, if if you can, if the IT infrastructure in your organization supports what you need to be able to configure this stuff right, absolutely converge the two networks. Um, especially if you don't have large numbers of devices or anything crazy like that. But if you're in a larger organization and you want the ability to scale out and you want to be able to um, have to make sure that there's nothing else that's going to interrupt what's happening on the production side, I always recommend um, having separate infrastructure for that. Um, what are your thoughts on how on how you might get? Um, let's say we are using a piece that we do want to connect to the internet. Uh, for example, a lighting computer uh, where it's got to control its lights, but it also need, we want to be able to reach out to the internet with it, whether it's for backup or or just general internet use. What are your thoughts there? Well, so a lot of places are live streaming right now, especially with uh, the COVID crisis. Um, there's a lot of places that weren't live streaming before that have to uh, in order to be able to uh, function. And so a, a lot of times it makes sense to connect these production networks out to the internet. Um, but you still want to have them separated in some way. You don't want people to be able to just jump on your guest wireless and connect into all your your DSP, all of your, your ProPresenter machine, all the stuff that's on your network, that's uh, that's kind of a security problem. You don't want that. A lot of larger organizations decide to bring a second internet connection in the building just for live streaming because it's so critical for them. And if you're in an organization that can easily afford this, that absolutely makes sense. If if But if you're trying to share um, the internet connection that, that's already in your facility, I would recommend that you get some kind of a internet gateway or router that enables you to enable what's called quality of service. Um, this will let you prioritize data that needs to be sent out uh, at high priority, like your live stream, um, like your audio side of things, and deprioritize data that is um, less cri less latency critical. Um, if you're not familiar or comfortable with configuring this, and it's often, it can be very complex to configure, especially on some devices. You should reach out to an IT partner who understands the AV side of things, and they'll be able to, to assist you in getting this configured. Because if you, if you do it right, there's great benefit to the reliability of the services that you're trying to use on the internet. But if you do it wrong, it can cause a lot of problems. Yeah, I would I would also add that um, not every IT professional um, works with production equipment. In fact, most don't. Um, and so uh, it is kind of really important to to find somebody because those that don't work with it on a regular basis. Um, could either get confused or, or just have no idea um, what goes on in the production networks and, and why they are so different. Absolutely. Um, I would also add that in some cases, uh, you need to add a second network card to your computer. Um, if you're going to, let's say, uh, have a dedicated 
connection type for your production communication and that computer also needs to reach out to the internet sometimes it's worth having separate cards uh, to be able to keep those things separate absolutely especially if you're in an environment where you have separate switching infrastructure a lot of places um, choose to have separate switches just for dante so that they make absolutely sure they're getting the lowest latency as possible but a lot of times you'll have a, a machine that you want to run Dante controlled or on to configure that Dante network, but you still want to be able to get out to your planning center or something from, from that same machine. And that's a great use case where it might make sense to have multiple necks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, I know that we've seen um, multiple different ways that churches choose to configure um, the people side of this, where they they may have uh, either a staff member or volunteer who kind of does the production side of things, and then potentially a either a staff member or a volunteer who uh, works in the IT field that chooses to uh, offer to manage the church's network. Um, what are your thoughts for when these are kind of managed by uh, different people versus where it may just be um, one guy uh, managing both systems? Now, this really is going to come down to the skill set of the people that you have available. Um, uh, there, there are a lot of great guys that know both the production and the IT side of things really well. If you can find somebody like that, that's great. I would re- strongly suggest having those guys manage both sides of things because they're going to have the best visibility into what's going on in your organization. But a lot of times you don't have that. You have someone who knows IT but doesn't know anything about the production side of it. Um, a lot of times you'll have production guys, especially guys that have come up from the analog side of things who know what they need to do to be able to make um, audio work o- over a networked protocol or video, but they're not going to know how to provide services to the entire organization from an IT standpoint. If that's the case, then you might want to take a look at keeping those things separate because either the IT or the production side can do things to the network that will adversely affect the other. And if you don't understand everything that's going on, you don't want to cause problems. That's the, the, uh, one of the, the, the things when I, when I was in college that they taught us uh, was make sure that your network is as transparent to the users as possible. If the users don't know that the network is there, then you've done your job well. This applies to to both IT for, you know, generic web browsing type purposes and to IT for production purposes. So you don't want to do something that would cause the network to not become transparent. Yeah, definitely. And I would also say that between those two people, um, communication is key. Uh, even though often uh, we all want to just kind of manage our own thing, but having a conversation with the with the other person before you make the change um, is a lot better than getting into a yelling match after you've made the change and now something doesn't work. Right, and and especially on the production side, a lot of times it, it's happening in the church world on a Sunday morning. Like it's you know you're ready to get started and you can't figure out why the stage box that was working fine last week doesn't work now. Yeah. Uh, That can be really frustrating, not only for the technical people, but for, uh, you know, the entire band that's standing around on stage waiting on you to figure it out. It's not a good position to be in. Yep. 
If this has impacted you, uh, remember to share, uh, leave a rating or review. Uh, you can always find out more on the website. It's chrisslinger.com. Uh, there's the blog there. There's also show notes um, and consulting services if you'd like to talk to us further about how uh, your specific organization can benefit from this. Um, if you have topic requests or questions, you can click on the I Have a Question button on the podcast page. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.